Welcome back to True North Talk. This is episode 13 of season two. And uh, today we're going to be talking about living a life of peace. And there's a couple different, uh, I guess, subject matters that we could describe as how we live a life of peace. I think we've touched on some of these things in the past, but um, Peterson over a, a section of scripture this week, and I, I liked it a lot, and I did some more research on it and added some to it. And we're going to be in First Thessalonians today, First Thessalonians 4. Um, but Peter, did you want to you want to give any background on how you came across this and just some general thoughts on the, on the subject? Yeah. So it was, it was just a part of my, my reading for the morning. So didn't really come other, any, any other way than that. So, but I mean, I, I believe that every, every day what I read is important. It's the word of God. Every, every verse that we read is, is God breathed and I just felt like these these verses kind of stood out, and I think it was it was after maybe the night before we had texted about you know trying to find a, a topic, and I was like keep an eye out on on what I read, and I think there's a lot of applicable things in this, and thought it'd be good to to send over. Just you know, I think it's it's good for for any stage of our lives. I think for Joe and I, especially being being young men and everything, I think it's really really good passage. Some important things that you know as as men we need to be wary of and be on, you know, on the watch for. And so I think it's, it's a very powerful passage and I think we'll be able to take, take some lessons from it and obviously believe that, that you all as, as listeners will as well. And we're simply here to, to share that, the message straight, straight from the word. We're going to have some commentary from uh, Matthew Henry, I believe. And I think also first Thessalonians, I mean, obviously it's in the new Testament, so it's probably, read more often than, you know, Old Testament books, some of those later prophets, you know, books from the prophets. But I feel like it's maybe a a book of the Bible that doesn't get as much focus as a book like a Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or even Acts or Romans or Hebrews. And so I think taking, taking a look at this, obviously a letter written from Paul to the church in Thessalonica, which I've actually been blessed enough wow, to visit. three times fast. Exactly, church in Thessalonica. Yeah, um, it's a church church in Greece. Now it's actually a pretty big metropolitan city. Um, when when I went on a mission trip to Bulgaria with with my family, my dad led a youth group, so we were able to, to tag along with like a high school age youth group and went to Bulgaria. And then kind of our debrief period at the end, we were able to go down to Greece and we actually went to Thessalonica. So you know this this book of the Bible, I think obviously to me has a little bit added meaning because I have been to the place that, you know, the location that Paul was addressing here. So, you know, just a little background there on on this book. And I think it's definitely one, you know, there's been some other points that, you know, I, I won't get into in this video, but there's there's a lot of rich wisdom, as there is in every book in the Bible, that I think it's worth spending time in this book. Because again, I feel like maybe it's not like it gets avoided like purposefully or anything, but it's kind of it's kind of tucked a little bit towards like the back of the New Testament, kind of before Revelation, which is where most people will probably probably turn to. So sometimes it can maybe get a little bit overlooked. And I think there's a lot of good things to, to take from it today. And I'm looking forward to, to diving into that. Yeah. And there's some big life changes coming for you in the near future. Uh, we just talked before the podcast about Peter uh, is planning his wedding right now with, with uh, his fiance. It's crazy mm-hmm. to say that fiance. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still, we definitely, we put a little bit of emphasis on it, Brooke and I, whenever we, we, whenever we say that word, you know, it's no longer boyfriend and girlfriend, it's fiance. So it's, it's definitely an exciting time. 
you feel a little bit fancy saying fiance? A little fancy. We, we always say, <laughs> take, take a little page out of your book. What we say sometimes is we'll say, uh, fiance, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> fiance. <laughs> You know, I never have given like full credit to who coined that that phrase and how they say it. And okay, I used to work. I with always thought a, it was just from you, but well, I kind of did make it my own thing. But right, I worked with a, a guy named Frank Frank Agumang. He was a African gentleman, uh, Christian guy, good, really good guy, really good dude. And you know, some people, I think some people out there, like you, you hear that sometimes. I, I think more in like, I guess, just urban dialect. You're like you know what I'm saying. Like that's, yeah. it's just part of the dialect. But he would say, he would say it in a different way. Hmm. Um, he would say it's pretty similar to how I say it. Know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Uh, but or, or he would just say, "I'm saying." <laughs> okay. I'm saying. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like how he says that, and I'm just gonna make it spin it yeah. into you know what I'm saying. So you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I guess it is a good rhyme to go with fiance. Yeah, it kind of it kind of fits. How do you guys say it? Can you go through the? I'll go through a little little it? example, a little like, "Hey there, fiance, you know what I'm saying? You're my fiance, <laughs> oh my you know what I'm saying?" <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we almost have our own little vocabulary, don't we? Our, oh yeah, our friend we sure group do. Here, we definitely do. <laughs> what you I know me and Sarah have several words on our own. Yep. Uh, the biggest one being be. Yep. My bell. Ours, ours is kind of a little bit, a little bit similar to that, but we definitely put our own spin on it. Beba, a little bit of beba. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so how do you use beba? I mean, it's it's become a pretty regular part. It's kind of almost re- replaced, you know, like babe or baby or something like that. You know, beba. <laughs> oh my Just kinda goodness! When we when we say hi and everything to each other, so yeah. Yeah, well, um, it used to be ba. Yeah, ba. So but, it's kind of it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a spin on that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think every, well, maybe not every, but I've seen like you know it's just normal for couples to have their own little language almost. Right. But it's it's funny because like we'll have a word that just comes up and it doesn't really make any sense and we just run with it and then again it's just so commonplace right. and then we, it's it's hard like it's hard thinking back to the first time it was used. It's like when did that? How did that come about? You know. <laughs> Right. So, I don't know. It kind of makes you wonder with you know, going back to the Bible and everything, like all the words we depend on for what they mean specifically. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to read something out of context and just how how incredible it is, like language. Mm-hmm. Like who who determined the very first like language and how to interpret it and its meaning? It had to be Hebrew, right? I think Aramaic is maybe closer to what, yeah, okay. which Aramaic is like, it's, I feel like I don't, I'm not, I'm not a linguist, Hebrew? but I think it's, it's like kind of what the precursor to Hebrew, I believe I might, like again, if you can I'm not, speak Aramaic, I think you can <clears throat> somewhat speak Hebrew. I th- like, I think Aramaic was more the language of the old Testament maybe. And then it kind of shifted into Hebrew again. I'm, I'm not a historian in that area or a, a linguist, so I'm not exactly sure, but I would imagine that was it. And then obviously the moment, you know, up until the Tower of Babel, everybody spoke that language, whether it was Aramaic or probably more so like a variation of what we consider Aramaic now or Hebrew. Um, It was probably something, something along those lines. But then obviously, 
you know, we don't really know because obviously the languages at the Tower of Babel split off into a bunch of different languages, caused confusion because the people in that time, in that story, if you're not familiar, were trying to exalt themselves and basically build their way to God and try to make themselves equals with God. And God was like, no, that's, that's not happening. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not equal to me, you know, not, not God being in like a prideful way or anything, but that's simply the truth of it, that we are not equal to him. You know, we're made in his image, right. but we're not equal. So when, when they did that, then the Lord said, you know, God said, you're, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to speak the same language anymore and it caused confusion. So they were unable to build the tower of Babel. So really from there, that's when languages split off. But I imagine that first one was some sort of, some sort of variation of, of Aramaic. And, you know, if there's any sort of like tablets or scriptures from before the moment of the Tower of Babel, then that would probably like be a better indicator. But again, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, but it's it's just amazing to think about that. You know, mm-hmm. the depth of our language and, and the English language is very like complex. I remember like mm-hmm. when I'd studied Spanish in school, they would oftentimes say like, you think it's hard to learn Spanish? Like it's much harder to try to learn English if yep. you speak Spanish just because like we have some words that have it's the same word and it can mean five different things if you use it differently yep. or if, if like you have, the, you the theirs or the yours yeah. or you know words like that that can all be spelled in different ways or where or where yeah. like just the pronunciation of words too are very different and it's different United States is such a I mean obviously it's not the only place where English is spoken but the United States as an example you know a word like caramel could be called caramel or I feel like there's other ways that people pronounce right. that too. There's, you know, a bunch of different words that are spelled the same and they have the same meaning, but are pronounced in different ways too. So definitely Michigan car versus car, car, car. We're going to go out to the car in the bar. <laughs> I got a, I got a nice scar. <laughs> <laughs> scar from that game up in, uh, up North. A scar, a scar, a scar, yeah. a scar, a scar. Day. On my heart 30 from to, this year. 30 to 24. 24. 24. <laughs> There's a scar on my heart from 30 to 24. <laughs> which is a, which is a, interesting how close that game was to the 2016 game, the Michigan-Ohio yep. State game. One more field goal would have been the literally three right, points One away. more field goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> but I feel like we're kind of getting in the weeds here. So A little bit, but it, we're kind of... We're kind of right at that at that moment where we kind of typically shift out of this a little bit. Looking at it, we're about we're about ten minutes in. That's about it's about where we kind of you know casual conversation to open everything up, and then we kind of get into the meat of everything. So I don't know if you want to dive into the scripture, I can read it, or if you want to take it kind of these first. I think it's the first eight verses from "As for Other Matters" to uh, "Who Gives You His Holy Spirit." Well, before we get into that, I, I kind of yeah. wanted to just like pose a question that you can take. Um, and it's just, you know, we're talking about living a life of peace. So what comes to mind when you think about peace? Like what does peace mean to you? To me, I think it, it can only truly be found. Well, I'll say what it looks like first and then I'll say what I think the only way it place it can be found. What it looks like to me is like having assurance that what you're doing in life, whether that's work, whether it's relationships, whether it's, um, you know, just the, the, the hobbies that you have, even where like, you just feel like this assurance that it's what God has planned for you. I would say that's like where, where you find true peace, where it's like, like, for example, for both of us finding the women that though, you know, Joe finding Sarah and me finding Brooke that just, they give us that, that peace and that give us that like assurance that like God created us as, as two people to come together as one, or it can be, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of searching for, for a job. 
that and again, we don't look to these things to ultimately fulfill us, but like being being content and I, I, I content. I know sometimes is a word that people think is like, oh, you're only content with it. Um, but I think being content goes beyond just being like just quote, like being OK with something. I think true contentment is truly, truly being happy and being at peace about where you're at in life. And I think, you know, ultimate true peace can only truly be found in the Lord and in following along with his footsteps that he has placed for us. And I think the way to know that is, you know, if you to know if you're walking along that path is to, you know, search your heart, you know, a prayer like what David said in the Psalms, you know, search my heart, know my inmost inmost being and like, you know, praying that to God and being like, show me if I'm living a life of peace. And if you if you are, you'll feel that peace. And it's it's almost indescribable in a way to, you know, trying to use other words than peace itself. But it is just this feeling of like, it's almost like you're just like being held in the creator's hands is what I would describe it as. Like you're not, you're not worried about like, it's like, it's like, I would say it's almost like being held in his hands over like a deep, dark valley. And like, you see all this stuff that's like around you, all the bad stuff in the world, all the troubles that you might have, but you feel this like assurance that you're safe in his hands regardless of what what storms might come up or what what you know darkness might be in front of you or behind you or that you might be going through right now it's having that feeling of like confidence that you're where God wants you to to be and doing what he wants you to do yeah i i agree with almost everything well i don't mean almost ever i agree with what you said everything you said and um it reminds me too i i just told you before the podcast and this is definitely a, a huge side note, but Alex Jones just got let back on Twitter. So I was mm-hmm. telling you, there was a massive Twitter space, and there was Elon Musk and Alex Jones and all these people in there. And, you know, Alex Jones is a person who got banned from Twitter because of, for various reasons. But basically, he, he had a he had an improper, he made a statement that was not true. And mm. they took him down, and they banned, and they basically... Um, scapegoated him they made him seem they they painted him as a horrible person just because he said something and, and made a mistake and he's since then apologized and you know he really got blacklisted and, and shamed and all these things so tonight when they let him back on twitter somebody asked him you know what keeps you sane because and it was it was alex jones and a, and a collection of people who are unpopular um in the in the legacy media's eyes the people that who who kind of pushed the the traditional media talking points and all this and that, and people who've been demonized by them and and what like what keeps you sane when you have people that are trying to bring lawsuits against you and talking about put you in, putting you in prison and I know like you know besides the point again but somebody like Andrew Tate who was literally put in prison in Romania for uh, unjust reasons and it was found out since then that it was unjust and they asked him too and he was in the chat actually too and they asked him what what keeps you sane and his answer kind of was in line in, in a weird way with kind of what you just said and it was you know i guess it was from a faith based perspective but he was like you can take everything away from me in this world like if there's mm-hmm. evil people that are scheming to to take away our rights to to take away um there's a big laundry list of things i could say that that they speak out against. But the thing that keeps him sane is what, what he said was the fact that he owns his own soul and he knows where he stands spiritually. And no matter what happens in this life, all his possessions, all the possessions in the world are temporary. You know, Elon Musk was in the chat and he said that he said, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, Elon Musk is the richest person in the world that we have on record. And he said, that's true. 
you know, I could own everything in the world, but if somebody doesn't like me and they want to kill me, or if I'm in prison for saying the wrong thing, cause we live in a crazy world nowadays, what really matters is that I know I can look myself in the mirror and know that I was doing the right thing. And I think it's true too, especially as Christians, you know, and for me, like a life of peace looks like when I'm in, when I'm one with God and I'm walking closely and, and feel close and strong, there's a, just a, there's a, uh, a marked difference in my temperament mm-hmm. internally. And I'm able to just navigate the everyday situations so much better with, with more grace. And I just have, there's a level of patience in my demeanor that nothing really can shake me too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like on days when I'm not walking with God as closely, I haven't read in a few days and whatever, I maybe haven't prayed you know, the little things can tend to get to me. Like I, I get frustrated or irritated at something or there's just a level of kind of discontentment that I feel in those days. But like, you know, days when I set aside time to read and this can be just little like random times. Like if I just read on my lunch break, like pull up some scripture, even if it's a little bit, I think taking that in like really can change your demeanor. Like I know you, you made it a habit to read just a little bit in the mornings. And even though you might not be reading for 30 minutes or an hour, like that little bit does make a difference, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like you're feeding your, your soul and right. you're giving it kind of that jump start for the day. So I just yeah. feel like for me, the, what that means, a life of peace is there's a level of patience. There's mm-hmm. a patience that comes. There's an assurance, like you said. Um, and you understand that like, no matter what happens, there's really not much that can ultimately shake you. Cause God's holding you in his hand. I mean, there's some days where like, I feel so, so secure, like in just in general, but also in my faith that like, I I think it's given me a level of just calm to navigate some tough situations. Um, and I, I have an example in my mind. I don't want to keep going because I know I've, I've kind of been talking for a little bit here. I want to get into the scripture, but that's what it means to me. I don't know if you have anything to say off that or have any any thoughts, but, um, that's what living a life of peace looks like in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. And I think also another thing is a lot of people look for, look for peace in those possessions, you know, talking about on the point that you made about, you know, Elon and and Alex Jones and others saying that like the possessions don't go with them. Like some people, people try to find peace in those possessions. You know, they try to hold on to things that ultimately again, aren't theirs to begin with. You know, they're gifts from God that we are blessed with in this life, but we can't take them with us. You know, store up for yourselves treasure where your where your heart where where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. So I think it's you know I just want to underscore the importance of that of that assurance that really we can't find at least not lasting peace. You find peace for a little bit in possessions or in in hobbies or you know some people find happiness in things like drugs or alcohol or sex. You know those are things that ultimately. You know, you might have pleasure for a little bit, but those things aren't going to last. Mm-mm. And so Not at I all. think, yeah, I think just understanding that truly the only peace that we're going to have that's fulfilling and long lasting and sustaining is the peace that comes from following, kind of following along with what we're going to be going to be reading here to maybe segue into the scripture. Yeah. And I honestly, like there's been a few moments for me where. I kind of have to guard myself against a little bit of pride because like when you have that peace, 
um, you can, I think it makes you also just hyper aware of others who don't have that piece and you can just tell the difference. And I know like there's people that I've worked with and there's people that I'm just around. And I, when I, when I feel that piece, that ultimate piece, it kind of makes me like, I guess maybe pride is not the right word, but I, I just, I almost feel bad for others who don't have that because you can, you can just see it so much more clearly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I see it in my, it makes me see it in myself in times when I don't have that piece even more, but it also, you can see it in others, you know, and there's just a level of, I guess you could say unease or I think one of the biggest signs to me is people that get, they just get frustrated. People get irritated and there's just, there's like a level of just negativity. That's another thing too. When, mm-hmm. when you are in communion with God is like you, if you are legitimately in close relationship with him, you can't have that negativity hmm. because Amen. you can't. It's just, you know, or negativity at least it's, at least is, it doesn't is, last because there's yeah, going to be some negativity, of, but it's, it's few and far between. Yeah. There, and there has to be a level of, of almost laziness. Hmm. You know, that that's why anytime that like, I don't care what circumstance it is as hard as it is, you know, I'll have moments, very challenging times where I've, I'll be negative sometimes, but ultimately I can't stay, sit there. Cause I know hmm. like, okay, I'm just, I'm choosing to be negative. It's choosing to be lazy and not, you know, taking the, doing the hard thing and, and staying positive. But yeah, I, I just think, um, it allows you to see others. And I think that's actually a good thing. Cause it allows you to maybe, you know, identify opportunities to, to talk to somebody else about God and, um, in their life. So yeah, it's kind of what I wanted to touch on there before we get to the scripture. Um, yeah. And I know we had a couple of different things here in the outline. I know for me, I wanted to focus on um, nine through twelve. And, and I don't, is that the one you sent me over on text? Was nine through twelve? Uh, I think I sent the whole thing, but I, okay. I definitely sent you that too. I think I think I think I sent you nine through twelve in text, and the, I just referenced First Thessalonians four, I believe, as a whole. Okay. Well, do you want to read um, just verse one? Maybe go through. I mean, you probably can go to go through 12 and maybe we can read that last okay. section there afterward. Yeah. So first Thessalonians chapter four, if you want to follow along um, or look back on this later, as for other matters, brothers, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more for, you know, what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to leave a whole, to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Yeah, and like I said, I, I wanted to focus on nine through twelve, um, just because I think it's 
It's interesting. Like the, the focus there on, I guess, self-sufficiency, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is something that I've, I've noticed in our culture so, so much recently and identified is that we are so dependent on all these systems and we're just so dependent on other people for everything we do. I mean, we, we, if you compare our society and our, how we live our life compared to 50 or a hundred years ago, especially a hundred years ago, you know, there's a lot less that we have to do for ourselves. You know, we go in our, in our apartment, we have clean water that we'd literally just have to turn a knob. We have unlimited amount of clean water. We have electricity pre-wired in our apartment. You know, we have our home, we have food. We just go to the store and we buy food. We don't have to worry about growing it. We don't have to worry about, you know, uh, producing something on our own to trade. You know, most Mm -hmm. of us have normal jobs where we just, we work in, um, in an established industry or an established trade and, and we're paid honor, honestly for that work. But there's not a, there's not as much self sufficiency and that can really pose an issue. And I think especially with um with where we are in our society and this and I could easily take this in a more like um I guess not it's it's faith based but just more like world kind of where we stand direction mm-hmm. um, the need for self sufficiency is just so so high right now. But it's also in verse 11 here, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and that you will not be dependent on anybody. Not to be, not to be dependent on anybody. And, um, you know, I think that's, in some ways, I think that supports something that I strongly believe in, which is if you can, trying to work for yourself. And the goal being to to have a trade that you can do on your own to bring in your own income, mm-hmm. um, I think that's and as we see right here, it's in the Bible, it's in, it's in Scripture. I think it's an honorable thing to do. I think that it's a godly thing to do, and you know, I think it's just it's not really commonly talked about these days. And I've even had people where, you know. I don't want to say who I, I've had even some family where, you know, when you're talking about starting a business, they're like, well, that's just not, that's not the best way to go. Or it's not, it's mm-hmm. not the best thing. And limitations. I, really I never understood that. Honestly, I just never understood it. So I, I thought it was interesting that it said that here. Um, and also just lastly, what stuck out to me was leading a quiet life, you know, and this is something where I used to be a lot different in this area. Um, I don't know if you can relate, but I know others can. Um, I, when I was younger, especially like I'd post a whole lot on social media, like I, I, almost everything I'd post up and I just felt like I, I don't know, with social media, it felt like I almost had to keep up with others or just make sure I'm doing things. And, um, I kind of had an awakening when I was like 22, 21. And I was like, you know, I think there's maybe some value and merit to just like staying low key doing my thing, maybe sharing once in a while, but for the most part, kind of keeping to myself. And, um, that really paid dividends for me. And I, I just noticed such a benefit from that. And it's not just social media. That's just one example. But I think leading a quiet life means just not gossiping, not worrying about other people and talking about them and, you know, what are they doing? Oh, what are they doing? And that's, I could easily go on a tangent here too. But the last thing I want to say is, <laughs> I told 
my wife about this a few weeks ago, but I, I said, like, I don't understand people who can just, like, dedicate a large portion of time and just sit sit and talk about insignificant things. Like, you're, you're just mm-hmm. talking about, oh, yesterday's weather and what you had to eat yesterday and what, what you did yesterday. And, like, you're just for an hour. And it's like... <laughs> so, I just... As I was saying, I don't really understand those things. And I, I think it all comes comes back to like the idea of focusing on what you got to do, leading a quiet life, trying to, um, especially focus on your family. You know, that's, that's something my dad always preached was your, your first ministry is your family, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're not tending to, to your wife or your husband or your family first, you're going to have issues. So I, I think those are just a couple things that stood out to me about leading a quiet life. And I think those things can lead to having that peace. Definitely. But. Yeah. And I think for me, I, I always, you know, sometimes I'll say to people, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of like the small talk kind of going along the lines of what you were saying. You know, I like, I like conversations to really have some true, true meat to them. And I, and I'm aware, I realize that there are, <clears throat> there are times, excuse me, <clears throat> there are going to be times where, you know, you're going to have those conversations that are, you know, maybe not, not as like deep and like in depth, but I, I just, I, I kind of agree with you. You know, that's why I was kind of nodding and, and smiling when you were saying that. Cause I'm like, I've thought the same thing before. I think, you know, when we, when we use our words, they should have meaning behind them and they, they should again. And I, and I think too, you know, I think of like, you know, getting your hands all in somebody's life is what I think of from these verses, like where it says you should mind your own business and work with your hands, make your ambition lead a quiet life. Um, you know, I think of people who try to just talk and talk and talk about other people's lives. And I feel like that takes away from you focusing on your own life and more importantly, takes away from you spending time to focus on your time with the Lord. And so I think, you know, when, when you're minding other people's business, first of all, you're probably, you're turning aside God as a priority in that situation. And you're also secondly, taking away from, from yourself. And I think really, you know, outside of family and like real close friends, I mean, and even still, we should mind our own business. We should be there for those other people. But I I think this verse is, is really good. And, and I think it's, it's something that, you know, people are so quick to talk about other people nowadays and to try to get involved somehow. And sometimes, sometimes that comes from kind of a good place and, you know, trying to help people out. And I think there is a place for helping people, but I think like getting into their, getting into their affairs without any sort of like, you know, Hey, can you help me out? That sort of thing is, is kind of, is kind of wrong. And I did just want to touch on since we read about it, cause I think probably the rest of this here will be kind of diving more into this, this political commentary. But I think, I think just for, for us and for other listeners out there, you know, regardless of, of whether you're, you're a man or a woman, but I think especially for young men out there, this is very important where it says, you know, avoiding sexual immorality, learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Um, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Um, and I think controlling your body, obviously here it is talking about sex. It mentioned sexual immorality ex- ex- uh, exclusively, but I do think it also could be applied to, you know, using, you know, harming your body, whether that's alcohol, drugs, or, or self-harm even. Um, I think it's it's a lesson here that should also be applied. And I think it's just important that even if we don't touch on this for too long, I think it's something that's important to address because, you know, especially 
in the society today. I mean, it is, it's pretty, pretty common for people to, you know, be, you know, make a mistake, especially sexually before marriage. And so I think just underscoring the importance of being able to control our own body in a way that is holy and honorable and ultimately setting aside our body for the Lord and then physically for, for, you know, if you're a man for your wife or if you're a woman for your husband. And so I think, I think that's just something that's important to address, especially because I know for both Joe and I as young men and for probably, you know, a decent amount of our listeners, you know, I think it applies for everybody, but I just think it's an important topic to, to discuss. And I imagine probably at some point, maybe we go a little bit more in depth, maybe we devote a whole episode to it, but I think it's an important conversation. Yeah. It's even an argument for young marriage, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a, I mean, that deserve, that deserves its own episode. Right. Just the struggle of like being a man and the physical, like, it's just what it is. The physical, like, urge you have to, to reproduce. God gave us that drive. You know, it's good. Mm-hmm. That drive is what, um, what drives us to, to, you know, do hard things. You know, it drives us to, to work out. It drives us to, in, in the old times, you know, fight and battle and, and, and hunt and gather, you know, that's, it's just the primal energy God gave us, but it has to be harnessed and pulled in. It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, but it can be done. And I think there's a lot of people too, who, who make excuses and say that that can't be done. Like, Oh, it just mm-hmm. is what it is, you know, right. Can't control it. And it's just not the way to, to look at things. I mean, God gives us control over our own bodies. That's why the scripture says what it says is that we, we have the ability to overcome our flesh and put to death anything that, that should not be in our lives, including any sort of sin. So yeah, that, that could be its own episode for sure. Um, but I just want to go ahead and read part of this commentary here and yeah. then we can kind of come around to, to wrapping up a little bit. Um, so it's from Matt Henry. He does a really good job with commentary. Uh, he says, we should notice in others what is good to their praise that we may engage them to abound therein more and more. All who are savingly taught of God are taught to love one another. The teaching of the spirit exceeds the teaching of teachings of men and men's teaching is vain and useless unless God's God teach. Um, those remarkable for this or any other grace need to increase therein as well to pers- persevere to the end. It is very desirable to have a calm and quiet temper, to be of a peaceable and quiet behavior. Hmm. Satan is busy to trouble us, and we have in our hearts what disposes us to be unquiet. Therefore, let us study to be quiet. Those who are busybodies meddling in other men's matters have little quiet in their own minds and cause great disturbances among their neighbors. Hmm. They seldom mind to the other exhortation, to be diligent in, ter- in their own calling, to work with their own hands. Christianity does not take us from the work and duty of our particular callings, but teaches us to be diligent therein. People often by slothfulness reduce themselves to great straits and are liable to many wants, while such as are diligent in their own business earn their own bread and have great pleasure in doing so. Mm-hmm. And it, that's just a really beautiful way of putting things. Cause I mean, right. you know, just the, the, idea and the concept of self-preservation and self-sufficiency is it's a really it's just a godly value it's a godly mm-hmm. concept and it's something my dad taught me and really even in the, you know the country we live in is kind of it's built upon those those roots and those values of you know taking responsibility for um you know being being capable men being capable young men uh, and women and, and taking things into your own hands and, and being, you know, 
bringing in your own bread, bringing in your own money, you know, building something on your own. It's a great thing to do. Not everybody's built to do it, but it's just a godly thing to do. Um, and it says right here, I like this a lot. Christianity does not take us from the work and duty mm-hmm. of our particular callings, but teaches us to be diligent therein. Amen. So I think there's a, sometimes a misconception that, you know, Christians should not work a whole lot. They can't work too much, you know, or shouldn't work outside the church or something like that is what's right. You, you have to be a missionary. You have to right. work in ministry. Like God teaches us that if we don't work in ministry, that our other, whatever our work is, that we should be diligent in that work and do mm-hmm. in that work as we would work for God, you know, do unto, unto that master that as you would to God. Amen. So every, every place um, is a mission field really. Yeah, it is. And you know, I think it's a great thing to, to have in mind about um, uh, just working diligently, working quietly. And, and I, I like what it said about let us study to be quiet and, and control. It's, a, you know, that's a part of being quiet is having control. You're disciplined over your words. You're disciplined over your mind. Um, it's just a godly value. And it leads to a life of peace. And as we're coming into the holiday season and the Christmas season, you know, it's all a lot of it is about peace and peace, peace upon earth, you mm-hmm. know, um, from Christ. I think that value of peace is one that we all reflect on this time of year. And I, I think that, you know, that's why I, I wanted, and I liked the idea and, and wanted to talk about this, this subject today is cause we're, we are entering one of the most focused seasons on the value of peace that mm-hmm. is in the year. And, um, the peace that comes with God is undeniable it's consistent. It never fails. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I want that for everybody who hears this today. Amen. So I don't know if you have any, any, uh, any other thoughts, any final thoughts. Um, but if not, one of us can take that last section there. I think it's a good way to wrap up. It's, it's kind of, uh, I guess kind of a gospel message there at the end. It's Thessalonians. Yeah. Um, I think, I think also, you know, we, we talked before the episode, before we started recording, I was wondering about, you know, part of our outline here, talking about busybodies as a negative connotation. And I think the part where it talks about that in this commentary, and, and I'll read it again, it, it says, those who are busybodies meddling in other men's matters have little quiet in their own minds and cause great disturbances among their neighbors. I think that it's kind of what I was going for earlier. I think that describes yeah. it even better than what I was trying to say. Um, about leading a quiet life and mind your own business. And I think, I think that's about the best way to say it. Conscious mind trying to describe what you read earlier. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And, and I I must've missed that, you know, before the call when I was looking over all of this, but that's, that's what, you know, busy bodies is kind of like just getting involved in staying busy in the wrong ways. Exactly. And getting involved in situations that you don't need to be involved in, as it says here, meddling in other men's matters. And and it's inter- it's interesting. I think it's so true that you have little quiet on your mind because you're worrying, you know, you're you're spending your time worrying about what other people are doing and trying to get involved and, you know, in ways that like aren't going to help those people out or maybe that they don't even desire the help with. So, yeah, I think it's and cause great disturbances among their neighbors. I think that's just kind of a picture of why, you know, being a busybody is, is wrong and why meddling in other people's matters is wrong. And this isn't, this isn't to say, I just, you know, want to clarify that this isn't to say that we don't help people out. That's not what this is saying at all. But what it is saying is, you know, meddling in their matters, which is like trying to get involved in a way, like almost, I would say kind of looking at it more like from a controlling perspective, like trying to control other people's lives versus actually just kind of like, like reaching out being like, Hey, how can I help you rather than, you know, being like, I'm going to help you in this way. And, you know, some, sometimes we can be 
you know, if we have discernment, if we reach out to the Lord, you know, we can sometimes see how people need help before even asking them. But I think there's a big difference between helping people out and like really getting involved in their business. And that's, that's what this passage cautions against. And I think it's, I think it's an important reminder. Yeah. And it's easy to keep ourselves busy in the wrong ways. You know, we can get involved in all the wrong things. And I kind of like what, um, you know, I know you're, you're a fan of the opposite team, but I think you can agree it's a good value to have. I know like, you know, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan football right now preaches having a one track mind. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in our lives, we should have a one track mind. We should have a few very simple and, and important things to focus on and focus on those things and let everything else fall where it may. You know, my dad used to have a saying, um, you know, whenever somebody would criticize him for his parenting or whatever, you know, we had a divorce in the family and there's a lot of kind of vitriol. Uh, but he would always say, you know, we, we in this family would focus on what's inside these four walls hmm. and nothing else really matters. You know, anybody, anybody can say what they want, but all we care about is this household and this hmm. and, and our family here. Yeah. And, I think it's the same way in our, in our walk with God, you know, we walk, all that matters is us and God. And mm -hmm. if you're married, you and your wife and the Lord and, or you and your kids and your family Amen. and God, and that's all that matters. And, you know, it, it's not your place to try to get involved, overly involved in somebody else's business and comment and, and criticize. It's just not what God has designed. It's not what he wants you to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Amen. And I think honestly going to tying this in, with the, the aspect of working with your hands and being self-sufficient and all that, I think if you're of a one-track mind and you're focused on what's in your house and nothing else, and you're focused on your work, you know, that really allows you to, to, uh, to excel in this life. And it, it's a recipe for efficiency. It's a rep, it's a recipe for focus and, and, uh, peace and, you know, and patience which are all very important factors and, and necessary factors to succeed in basically anything we try in this life. So right. I think uh, it's just a beautiful message. It's just a beautiful message. So I can read uh, those verses there, okay. 13 through 18, 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we, we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Amen. Therefore encourage one another with these words. So, so maybe, uh, maybe an illusion or, um, uh, a reference there to, to some end times things and oh, yeah. you know, the rapture and, and death yep. and everything. But I just wanted to, I was kind of debating on whether to include it, but it, it I think it does provide like a just redeeming factor and, uh, just just the, the assurance we have of life after death with, with Christ and mm -hmm. um, what ultimately really matters in this life. So, Yeah, and, um, I, and I think real quick too, tying it into the rest of it, I think verse 13 especially where it says so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I think if you display you know, the traits that it cautions against in the first 12 verses of this passage – you know, we often, you know, trying to meddle in other people's affairs and stuff like that, meddling with, with other men's matters or whatever is 
those are behavior traits that'll make us feel more, you know, down, more sad when, when bad things happen. And, and like it says here, you know, will make us grieve like the rest of mankind without hope. And we ultimately yeah. have the, the best hope. And that's in the, the life giving death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know I've said this a couple of times in the last couple of episodes, but I mean, that is, that's what this Christmas season is about. It's not just about Jesus's birth. It's obviously, you know, well, well beyond much more than, than, than Santa and presents and everything. It's about <laughs> Jesus, Jesus coming, coming to earth, living, you know, being born of, of being born of a virgin, living a perfect life and, and ultimately then dying for our sins on the cross and being, you know, risen again to give us life. And I think that on verse 13, people who have no hope, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's really at the end of the day, why we do this podcast is to spread this message, to spread it to people, you know, if to people who are believers so that you can spread it along to, to people who are non-believers. And obviously if, if we have people who are listening, which I'm sure we do, who aren't yet believers, you know, I just want to encourage you if you are, if you are a you know listener and you have not given your life to Christ yet, you know, it, it really is as simple as, you know, admitting that you have fallen short of the standard. We all have, there's, there's a standard that, that is set by the life of Jesus by perfection and by how, how God originally created the world before sin. So you, you admit that you ha- are a sinner, that you've fallen short. You believe that Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross and he was risen again. And then you confess that you, you know, cry out and declare, declare that to other people. And I think, you know, we call it the, the ABCs of coming to Christ. And I think, it's always important to, to share that gospel again for those who, who aren't yet believers. You know, if, if that's a decision that you want to make, I encourage you to reach out to, to people around you that you trust, a pastor, a friend, a family member, whatever it might be. Or on, on the flip side, for those who are believers, just a reminder of how really, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's pretty simple. You know, I know sometimes it could feel intimidating, but I think having the ability to having the knowledge of what, what to say, I think is so important. And, you know, this there's really no better time, I feel like, during the year to share the gospel message now, and I guess probably at Easter are the two best times of the year, and I think people people are a bit more receptive to it during this time of the year, too. Yeah, and in light of the episode and kind of our message of just staying focused, keeping quiet, focusing on, you know, what you need to focus on, being being efficient, you know, being knowing what you're doing at all times. Um I think we should go ahead and pray. And I think, why don't we, I know we, we like to pray a lot and we like, at the end of episodes, you know, we pray a lot about a lot of things, but mm-hmm. I think for our listeners sake, maybe will we switch it up a little bit and just pray about this specific yeah. um, takeaway of just, yeah. you know, staying focused on mm-hmm. what you need to be focused on, staying focused on what God has in store for you and living a peaceful life, Yeah, you know? You just want to you want to go ahead and lead in prayer. Yeah, okay. Lord, I, th- I thank you for this episode. I pray that you would open open the ears of those listening to it. I pray that you would give us all clarity of mind to see what your plan is for us, and that we would, like it says in the scripture, keep our heads down, work, not not mind other people's business, be willing to help, but ultimately serve serve your purposes and and search after your plan and not not our own and not not trying to invade other people's lives but to help when when we are called to do so and just thank you for the time in this episode in jesus name laura i i just want to again echo everything peter prayed for and just hammer home the the takeaway 
that you have in your word for us uh, to to basically mind our business, Lord, uh, to be diligent, to be focused, to to work hard, um, and to love others ultimately, and to love you, and, and just pray that we be focused on these things. We we be hyper focused on them so that we may succeed in our families and our lives. And uh, just just not get caught up in things that don't really ultimately matter. So mm. just thank you for this episode, Lord. Uh, just pray for everybody listening, Lord, that they be they call to you if they're not already. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Quick, efficient, focused. I like it. Episode thirteen's <laughs> in the books. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. Please uh, rate our podcast on Spotify, especially. I, I saw we have, I think we have seven five star ratings on Spotify, which it's not bad, but you know. <laughs> We could use some more. I think if we get to like 15, 20, 25, really could like pick up some steam potentially. So yeah, a little bit of traction. If you're listening, if you haven't rated the podcast yet, go ahead and, and drop us a rating if you don't mind. We really appreciate it. Uh, but with that being said, this is these are your favorite hosts with True North Talk signing with out. The most. See you next week. Peace.